0: Welcome to devmode.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107. I'm Patrick Harrington from Mildly Geeky in Boston. And today we have on Henri Elvedica. How you doing, Henri?
1: I'm doing very good. Great. Awesome. I'm hanging out. Nice.
0: I have a bone to pick with your name, by the way. Like, I have oh. no problem. I know that oh, I know when I first met you, I was calling you Henry, right? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm an American, but I know it's Henri. But the problem is, then it's Helvetica, so I should call you Henri Helvetica.
1: I mean, you could, but I I do respond to Henri, and I mean the Helvetica thing is is pretty interesting. And I mean, I uh, unless you guys have like a couple days, I could tell you the story.
0: Well, we're gonna find that out. But we first we gotta we gotta get you set up here. Okay? All right. So we, if you were out in the Amazon room them at the Rio Hotel in Las Vegas, Nevada at the World Series of Poker at the final table bubble of the Omaha 8 event and you're facing a call for your tournament life and someone turns to you and says, hey, what was your journey into the tech business like? What would you say?
1: I'd probably tell them that it started right here in Las Vegas because I found myself in an elevator during a, I guess, a trade show that I used to attend twice a year. and We're not uh, talking
0: about AVN awards, are we?
1: Well, oddly enough, nope. I remember <laughs> I remember getting in this elevator of being like, what is going on right now?
0: And I didn't recognize just, you. It just
1: ha- exactly. I was like, it just happened to be the AVN Awards and I was like, this was my first time in Vegas. So that was pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> you know,
0: well, hold on, the, the miserable old guy next to you, he's, he's calling the clock. Yeah, he's no, telling right. the dealer that you have taken too much time to make your decision. He's called the clock. You so know, you I, gotta, you've got 30 seconds.
1: But, but, but honestly, it, it, it actually kind of did start there because I used to work in apparel slash fashion and something that that I started to do for clients well, really for me, but it, to make my clients sort of work a little faster, I start to create these sort of small sites with all the product because I was kind of sick of sending out line sheets and black mm. and white illustrations. And then I start to take photos of my entire collection and just create very, very, you know, rudimentary sites. And I would just send that on, put it online, but I would also send it on a DVD just in case. DVDs, remember those CD-ROMs? And, uh, I do.
0: I remember. I remember. I curated this lovely collection of CDs of all the music that I like and I feel like such an idiot you know <laughs> why <laughs> well just cause I, you know I, first of all I would scratch them inevitably and rebuy the same thing repeatedly and now they they're sitting in a little uh, sleeve somewhere, and I don't do anything with them. I feel mm. I feel dumb that I even bought them to begin with.
1: Eh, you know it's, it's well at this point now I could understand you know, and I can get into that a little later. But it did actually through the apparel and and just wanting to get my clients to be able to look at product instead of line sheets, I started to create these little little mini websites, super super you know easy sites. But it kind of you know I always remembered that that so out client. of necessity, right? So something uh, absolutely, that absolutely make your
0: life easy. You're, you're like, huh, why don't I use this technology thing and make some part of my life easier to do it? And, and actually, that kind of mirrors, if you remember, we did an interview with Simon Vrakliotis a little while Absolutely. ago. Yeah. And he kind of accidentally fell into the, the tech business, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, I, but I think everyone kind of accidentally falls into it. If you, maybe you were a kid and, you know, you're playing a game and you're like, oh, that looks really cool. And then you want to figure out how it works. You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. It, it, lots of ways you can kind of just become an area of interest for. It. So you were working for a fashion company, and you built websites just to show off the apparel or, or products that you had. Exactly. And then how did you, how did you go further from there?
1: So. Man, it's funny because so I was in apparel and like I said, I'd sort of grown accustomed to creating this little these little sites and, and and putting it online but sending it off to my clients as well. And then I left apparel and went sort of I don't want to say back into music because even though I was in apparel at the time, I still had a foot in music because I mean I had the time to do it basically. It's one of those things where apparel you really have to be around full time, say at key moments of the year. You have your fall sales, you have your fall and let me see, spring with the two big collections and then the small ones were we called summer and holiday but literally I would really cram all my work in, say for fall which is like the biggest sale, biggest collection probably for most companies and you really had to be in the office like five, six weeks in a row.
0: And You know, I knew someone that was in the apparel business but she worked at Calvin Klein okay. and then worked at Donna Karen okay. and one, I remember her telling me that she had to fly to Italy for the, uh, whatever, they had some kind of a line a manufacturing line that that made some sweater or something that they had there and she said the same sweater came off the line and depending on the label they put on it whether it was a donna karen sweater or whether it was going to walmart it was the same damn thing but they charged 10 times more did you ever run into anything like that oh absolutely
1: you know and and these are these are the kind of things that um, some people know realize others don't and sometimes they'll make small edits to the piece you know mm. they'll add a little something right. here and there but for the most part, a lot of pieces that you see out there are really manufactured at. Right.
0: And I'm not saying it's a case for all, but for a lot of things that, unexpected to me, it literally was the same thing, (laughs) other than the label. I'm just like, you gotta be kidding. It's amazing. I don't know. So how did you end up moving from apparel into then music again, and then into tech? Like, what, what, what happened?
1: So after I left apparel and, you know, I'd been sort of considering it because it was getting a little weird on the economy side and even sort of on the commerce side, I went back into music more full time because at the time I still had a foot in music because the the schedule allowed it. Anyone who's been into music management and running a small label, whatever, which I did, knows that a lot of times, you know, you could just put an hour here, an hour there or just work at night, whatever. And the, the apparel thing, again, it just allowed me to do so much outside of apparel because again, the hours were, I mean, I was essentially freelancing even though I worked at a agency. So I went back into music after that, more full-time. And even though I was in music, but I was still creating like little assets and very sort of raw sites. I start to blog heavily and stuff like that too. But it was really when that was starting to get weird as well. My brother phones me up and he was like, you know, you should really sort of get back into tech, kind of, and or web at least. And I say be said back simply because even long before my apparel days, I'd been tinkering around. I mean, every so often I'll go home and see my parents and, and look at these bookshelves and look at all these books I was reading like CSS and and JS and oh man what do you call those books? Remember they were um, their covers look like very like Mondriani you know what I'm talking about? I know like the squares it was like colors all
2: right what is Mondriani? I'm gonna I hope I'm not the only
0: person listening. He's an artist and and he produced Hmm. stuff in a very like cubic kind of overlapping rectangle kind of stuff
1: exactly. Anyhow and I'd long ago tinkered around but it was one of those things where you know when you play around with things and you're the only one and you're starting to you're starting to think that like, oh, maybe you're just a little strange and whatnot and you don't really stick to it. That was sort of like me in the web and me and sort of like computers very early, even though I always kept it, kind of kept it around, but I just kind of kept it to myself. I didn't really talk about it. So he thought having seen me sort of tinker around very early, he was like, you should get back into this because things are really going. And my brother works at uh, what I'd like to call the fruit company. And <laughs> I sort of listened and I kind of brushed up on web and front end, obviously. And well, that's good. Ex- at
0: least you didn't have a brother that was just like, nah, this internet thing is a passing fad. you <laughs> <know>? <laughs> Tell me about it yeah at least he didn't uh, have a brother like
1: that i mean he's a good dude he's like i said uh, he he sort of you know made his way up the ladder and he's been over at uh, the fruit company for a good 13 14 years now something like that so
0: but, but when yeah. you say that you got in get back into tech like what yeah. what were you doing because the way that i know you like i knew mm-hmm. you in kind of like in passing like we had gone to the same clubs for a while but just said hi in passing you know what i mean yeah. but where i actually met you was when you gave a presentation at the Dot All Conference in Montreal. Mm. For anyone who doesn't know, the Dot All Conference is a conference for Craft CMS, and it was up in Montreal. And Henri gave a presentation there that was uh, connecting all the dots, I think was your presentation. So when you say you're, you're doing stuff in tech, were you doing presentation type of stuff? Were you doing development work? Like what kind of freelance work were you doing?
1: So I started, my first gig was at an agency, and I was on the dev team, And it was a welcome change because at the time I'd done so much freelance work, I was Mm. ready to get back into an office. (laughs) It's so funny
0: because I've run my own business since I was very, very young. And so I've had a decent number of friends of mine that have talked to me about it. And one of the things I say to them all the time is that everyone thinks they want to be their own boss. And a lot of people realize they make a terrible boss. because oh, man. freelancing <laughs> is not for everybody. It takes a certain demented kind of individual to actually do well at it, I think.
1: Absolutely. And it, uh, so many things can happen when it comes to freelancing. On a, I mean, ideally, you have great clients, people you've known for a while. They just need to get some work done. And it's it's very effortless. And on a less ideal situation, you're out there fishing for clients. You, you, you got to get out there and see where the opportunities lay and whatnot. And, and um, a lot of that is also the network you've built over time, right? So in my case, and just, you know, prior to web, there's so much work I was able to get done just through my years in apparel and my years in music. And those are two areas, again, that just constantly need little things done, big things done and whatnot. And, you know, do they know anyone that could get this done? And It's like, boom, your name comes up, you know? So with regards to being at the agency, that gave me a taste of what, you know, sort of like, quote unquote, corporate web work looked like. And then how I got ran screaming. In- Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. It just reminded me of how weird people are sometimes. Mm. You know, I, you know, I always bring up the fact that, the 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 person who would sit next to me would slack me. Yep. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Literally, like I could I could reach out. He was about as close to my to me as it is to my external monitor right now. I could reach out to him and just tap him on the shoulder, but they would slack me instead.
0: Uh, I'm feeling attacked now, though, Henri, because my (laughs) wife and I sometimes text each other in the same house. (laughs)
1: no no that's fine in the same house you're on different floors like this person like like, okay well i get it you know so but you know to to me that was that was very that was interesting i'll I'll say that much but it taught me uh, it gave me a little taste of the corporate side which was totally fine but having done freelance and and whatnot uh, i was i was very accustomed to those to that process so and at the same time i also kind of discovered the whole sort of speaker circuit, which I thought was really interesting and sort of speaking was never foreign to me because my apparel days taught me a lot of that because of, and even prior to that, I'll get into it, but I had to do presentations with complete strangers all the time. I mean, like the big shows, especially in Vegas, like I'd mentioned, I would go there twice a year. Actually, the, the show I went to, the trade show I went to in Vegas was the second biggest trade show in Vegas at the time. Number one was CES yep. and number two was this thing called Magic, uh, uh, which is the trade show I was telling you about. Uh, and I remember we
0: used to go to CES sometimes. It, not mm-hmm. too often because it, it actually didn't overlap with our. Business that much, mm-hmm. but CES was. We were joking about it before, but for a number of years, it overlapped with the AVN stuff that was going mm-hmm. on there. Yep. And I swear, I think that was coordinated. You know what I mean? <laughs> I really do. I really think it was.
1: I mean, see, I mean, Las Vegas—they have their own little, you know, AVN thing happening daily. Sure, you know, uh, if you remember, because it's like you could just walk out of uh, of uh, any kind of you know trade show, and yet people there waiting. Yeah, but it's you know? not legal. <laughs> I mean, they they figured it out, you know? Right. They got the uh, system down. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Right. But as I was saying, it taught me a lot. So when it came to just presenting to me, I was like, oh, this is no big deal. You know, I've been in rooms full of strangers that probably never run into again. And on the web in tech, it's like you actually would run into these people again. It's kind of like, oh, OK, I haven't seen you since such and such. That was never a big deal in my head. And then, you know, the freelance work I did was very some odd little clients here and there that just wanted to have their sites looked at because that's when I really really start to get into the performance bit Mm. and that was super interesting right because the way i discovered it was just really around uh i think it was around the time that the iphones were starting to promote like their retina screens Mm. and i was like retina screen what's that and after i understood what that was in terms of like images and pixel density and i was like oh man this is going to be weird on the performance side and i started to attend a performance meetup in toronto and that just boom i was kind of hooked on that side yeah because that's
0: what i know most i know most about you from is that you organize a couple of local conferences, right? So you organize the Toronto WebPerf conference. And I, I do want to get into you with that a little bit later, because it takes a certain kind of psycho to get into WebPerf. I know, because I'm one of them.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And
0: then also you organize the Jamstack Toronto conference, but also you came out of nowhere, and then you're presenting it. just all of these conferences all over the place. What is this? Is this a result of your people skills in terms of being really good at Building a network and, and connections and that kind of thing? And is it intentional? Do you prefer organizing the, the meetings and presenting at conferences as opposed to sitting in a cubicle and, and hammering out code?
1: Fantastic question. And I'm probably gonna say yes. Mm. And uh, and I'll tell you why. You know, attending the meetup was really interesting because it was like, oh, I can show up here and learn stuff and speak to the people who are actually sharing this information. So if I have a question, you're right there. And on top of that, I'm hanging out with like-minded people. And so that was a completely different sort of experience for me on the tech side, because I still remember this person who was like, oh, you need to go to these meetups. And I remember my first meetup, which was not the performance one, but just the first meetup in general. I remember looking around the room being like, oh, wow, there's a lot of people here. And the music side of me also informed me that when you have a lot of like-minded people together, like there's an opportunity to do something. Mm. Uh And so... You know, as a music you know, if I'm a musician and I don't know, I do rush covers and I find out that everyone in this room or like seventy-five percent of this room are Rush fans, it's like I need to do something right here. Mm -hmm. And so with the meetup side, I think that informed me that there were probably opportunities to just organize or, you know, sort of like harness this community and, and do something later on. So I was just sort of I was starting to attend meetups, obviously to learn a little bit of stuff, but also just to kind of like understand the ecosystem. Mm. So I'll jump so around. This,
0: so that's really smart because I've heard people that have started podcasts and they're like, one of the reasons I started podcasts is I could, I could bring in, Experts and they could teach me stuff,
1: right? Absolutely,
0: right. And it sounds like you're kind of like kind of doing the same thing here. You're like, hey, this is great. Like I can use my people skills to get everyone together, and then I can I can soak it all in, right?
1: Absolutely. You know, because there there there's certain things you're going to realize, and it's like I, I would tell this to juniors or newcomers. You know, there are certain things that you'll realize you're you're never going to come across if you just do what we call in French the métro boulot dodo, which is like, you know, I get you up. Call I... Me? <laughs> so the, it's an expression in French, which is métro boulot dodo, which is métro is like, you know, metro, like subway. Boulot means work and dodo is just going to bed. So if mm-hmm. you get into the cycle of just going to work and going to bed every day and not breaking out of it, you'll have probably a very decent time making money, being employed. Mm-hmm. But the discovery that I think is really important is potentially not going to happen. Uh, It sounds like a
0: very gray, overcast life, at least to me.
1: It could be, it yeah. could be, but you know, it's up to you to sort of take the off ramp and, 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 and go somewhere else, say one day, but yeah, you know, the meetup again, taught me that showed me that there, there are communities out there doing things. And like you said, it's like, Hey, I get to learn for free from someone and, I <laughs> could, you know, ask questions and whatnot. And obviously that, that started my sort of path. And then I started to attend the, the web performance meetup and then shout outs to Barbara, who at one point who ran the meetup and at one point was like, you know, what, I'm stepping away from this. I think you should be the one to run this. Nice. And I was like, let's go. I mean, I'm, I'm with it. So you do that yeah. little, you know, that little swap on meetup.com. And, uh, and it, I became the principal uh, on, uh, on that. But, you know, to me, that was still kind of small fries, but it was the opportunity to sort of now join a small group of meetups around the world who all knew each other. And it's like, you start to trade stuff, you know, information. It's like, hey, there's this conference coming up. You should go check it out. Hey, there's this conference over here here's a ticket because I have one from being in this sort of webperf community and I start to realize it's like hey you could sort of really do something with this.
0: Yeah but Henri every seed starts small right yep. and so I don't think it's anything ever to be any number of things that I've worked on they all start small right <laughs> it's, it's up to you to put the curation and the caring and the work in to make them grow into something. But I think it's incredible that you mentioned rush covers. It is incredible that you <laughs> did that, okay Because okay so so Rush was a band that my brother used to listen to when he was growing up a lot. Okay. And they have a famous song called YYZ. Of course. And I've known I've <laughs> known this song for for decades, I've known this song. Literally today, I realized, oh shit. It's called YYZ because that's the Toronto airport code.
1: Oh. Ding, 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 ding. Huh.
0: And Rush is a Canadian band for anyone that doesn't know. I knew this song for forever. It wasn't until today that I was just like, holy crap. And I knew that YYZ was the Toronto code because I've flown in and out of Toronto many, many
1: times. But here's oh, but the- you here's to Blow the- your mind some more? Okay, do it. Blow it. Do Dude, it. Dude, so you remember the song by heart, right? Ding, 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 yeah. ding, 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 yeah. ding. that Dude, that little bell, the triangle- <laughs> That's Morse code for YYZ.
0: That's incredible and I'm going to blow your mind even more. Uh-oh. Even more. Do you know why? The Toronto's airport code is YYZ.
1: Oh, uh, wait, I may know this. Uh, hold right, on, hold, so on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Anyways. I'm going
0: to tell you because it relates to what you just said and it's going to, mines are just going to be exploding everywhere. Okay. So first of all, all of the airport codes in Canada start with a Y, right? That's to start with. Now, you mentioned something about Morse code, YYZ. So yeah. the YZ was the code for the Toronto Morse code station back when they used to communicate over telegraph lines that ran along the rail roads okay okay there was a station there and it was the YZ station and that's where it came from they just they built the airport on the same area where this old Morse code station that ran along the the rail lines was so that you know they had the rail line for transporting goods and services everywhere and then they strung the telegraph cable along the same lines and there was a station there's a Morse code railway station that was the yZ station and that's where the Toronto yYZ code came from and the fact that rush played. To the beat of that in the YYZ song is crazy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's
1: crazy. I, I mean, Patrick's probably like, what's going on right now? I just,
2: you'll <laughs> always learn something new on Defmo.fm, yeah.
1: Uh, but it's super interesting because I remember this one time I went on this deep dive and I found someone who wrote this like long dissertation about the song. And it, it's actually regarded across the globe. If you go into YouTube and punch in YYZ, there's probably like a thousand covers, yep. you know, especially uh, guys on drums. By the way, sh- rest in peace, Neil Peart, mm-hmm. uh, who passed yeah. away sometime last year, early. Last year, actually, but uh, yeah, that's actually kind of interesting, right there.
0: I remember at one point I conflated Y Y Z with Y K K, which is the zipper company, like the exactly. Department. Just about every zipper has got Y K K.
1: Well-regarded know. zipper company, and again, I know these things from the apparel, their apparel biz. I'll give you a quick little. Uh, it's not a nugget, but just a little fact. I've been doing this talk recently on images, just because of all the changes that have taken place. I called it "moving pictures" because moving pictures, but also moving pictures, which is a rush.
0: Oh, right, the. É bom. Jeez. Yes. Where they're famously moving those. Oh my God. Ding,
1: ding ding, 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 ding. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, dude. Hilarious. It, it, yeah, yeah, it's crazy, right? The, the music is just finding its yeah. way into tech. It's
0: great that you're throwing those little nuggets in that only people that know it will get it, but the ones that get it are gonna be like, oh, I see what oh. you did there, Henri.
1: Oh, oh, totally, dude. I, I've done that a couple times. But okay. let, let, let's get back to the the, the whole you know yes. subject at, at the hand here because I'll, I'll geek. I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll go I'll go music geek for like a couple hours. <laughs> but getting back to the the meetup thing it brought me back to something that i again love is curation of a particular event i did it in the music side because it, at some point i left sort of the performance end and just start to curate shows from like the look and feel of the event to finding the, the performers, finding sponsors and whatnot, and just creating something that I knew people would enjoy. And I ended up working sometimes the sort of the obscure end of music, which again, sort of parallels what I did with the meetups and, and the sort of conferencing. Performance was, as you could probably test to, it was was an obscure end of the development, uh-huh. you know? So it, it didn't bother me so much to, to sort of get into that side of tech and having to do a bit more explaining than most about the environment. So it's, and
2: yeah. What, I mean, what was the, you were scratching with that? Was it, were you into time to first bite, image optimization, pay, like what, what what would you get into? Or yeah, I'm very interested to know, uh, cause depending on so, when you got into web optimization, you know, speed optimization whatnot, it's meant different you know what? things of yours.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, my entry into the performance side was literally, again, I remember to this very day, just you know, the, the whole, like I mentioned, the the retina images on, on the phone. And I'm like, oh man, what is this going to mean now? And I, and I sat down on my desk and trying to pick apart what the future was for web. And I started to read book and documentation. And at the time, O'Reilly, when it was still getting books out the door, they were the ones who probably had the majority of the web performance literature. Sure. Yep. So you start with 2007, Souter's first book, Faster Websites, 2009, Even Faster Websites. Yep. And then that just led to... a bunch of other books like Performance Day Book by Stoyan. I could just go through a bunch. The one that really sort of made things click was probably Laura Hogan's because that was like super anticipated and she had been able to put working drafts out and I just kept reading everything as it came out. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I mean, that just exposed me to a little bit of everything. Obviously Ilya Gork's high performance. What was it called? High performance. The networking book. High performance something networking. Okay. Um, I mean, the one he had been rumored to write in like a weekend or something like that. Like a thousand it's like a thousand page in a couple of days. He's like, Yeah, yeah it's ready.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I, I you know I kinda started into the web really around two thousand nine and worked for a great group out of Boston. They were all net. And it was interesting back then the biggest thing we were looking at was how to reduce time to first byte. They're building bigger and bigger, more complex things that honestly weren't doing much caching in the back end back then. And so you'd have, you know, three and a half seconds before the first byte came across. That's, I, I, that's I later, a yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it I don't know. I think like everyone was moving so fast and the web was changing so quick people weren't stopping and saying, hold on, what's going on with TTFB? And now we've seen, I feel like a lot of places do have the time-to-first byte under control for the most part. And now it's almost like, what are we doing to the front end? And what? Are, how much are we loading that up with crap? And it's interesting how it just ebbs and flows between the two. And like you said, yeah, when everyone starts doing retina, you think, oh, twice as wide. It's really four times as large images coming across and even Absolutely. nine times if you have a 3X size. But then yeah, WebP and media queries just make sure you're not. Yeah, it, it's no. so cool. It, it you'll never be bored being in the
0: web optimization world. I'm impressed, first of all, Henri, that you read books, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I say that not as an insult to you, but I just I haven't actually finished a book, and I can't even remember when. Yeah. Like literally. I can't even remember when I actually finished a book. <laughs>
1: I, mean, I mean, if if you uh, if you ask me now, me and reading books, it's like first it better be an ebook so I can just drop it in the iPad and get Siri to read it to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I mean, I just it's hard I to tend find to the do time more. to really. Yeah. Yep. well I tend to do more with experimentation and reading articles and videos and that type of thing but the idea of getting a getting a book and sitting down to read it somewhere just seems like something that just never happened and maybe maybe it's because I have kids and there's just no way that it's I would get to try it to be able to do it to begin with you know I don't know yeah
1: I mean, at the time, it was super interesting because it, it was like, what is this performance stuff? And so you're excited. And on top of that, O'Reilly, they had the Velocity Conference, which was a more or less performance conference when it first came out. And they also had, if you remember, so obviously if you went to the conference, you got you had your ticket and you can go and check out all, all the talks. But they also had, I guess, maybe about an hour, a bit of content that would stream on the web for free. So they had, all these lightning talks at the start of every O'Reilly Velocity conference and I'd watch those. So that's how I I saw obviously people like Souders and and Bruce Lawson who had spoken there a few times because at the time he was working at Opera. So I mean the performance end was really interesting because it was assets, you know, we're loading assets, we're talking mm-hmm. about we had these stopwatches in our hands like okay, how fast is this going? And then it, it also opened us up to the browser conversation, right? What's the browser doing? What are they implementing? What APIs are coming out, which is why from time to time, you'll see them on Twitter say browsers are awesome. If things are loading fast, yes, developers have a say in it, but go thank your local browser engineer because they're hard at work. And
0: I want to see if you found something to be true. So one of the things I've done a ton of performance work in my day. Yeah. And one of the things that I found to be true is that there aren't a whole lot of people that are coming to you and wanting to pay for it. I think that it has gotten better recently, but web performance, I think. I I kind of put it in the same bucket with accessibility, in that it's something that everyone agrees should we should be doing. But there's a limited subset of people that are actually doing it. I think that web performance is. Don't get me wrong. Like I think web performance is incredibly important. And in fact, I probably have gone off the deep end insisting on performance. I've had people like Patrick is giving me crap (laughs) for certain things that I do that I'm just like, well, but it's faster. And he's just like, yeah, but it's annoying. I am (laughs) 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 milliseconds. I just yeah. want to let you know, I'm coming as a friend, but I'm just saying, I look at it, and yes, I've had a number of corporate clients that they see the value, especially when they have an e-commerce or conversion, and you can substantively show that this makes a big difference. But kind of like the the wider world, like the the smaller site, I just... I don't know. Like a lot of people are, a lot of agencies and developers are just kind of they just want to get it done, and they consider it being done as the endpoint, and they're never doing the the performance auditing or the accessibility auditing and that kind of stuff. What, what do you guys think?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a question of incentives. You know, you have a certain budget, and if there's no incentive to build things for page speed and and whatnot because it takes more time, and it cuts into profits, it's not going to happen. I think it has to turn into that the clients or the business needs to make that a priority. And I think e-commerce businesses, you'd see it a little bit more. You know, there's so much research about what even a small delay can Mm -hmm. do in terms of conversions. But yeah, it becomes a, you know, as an economics major, it becomes a question of incentives and where are people going to put their time to be able to get things to completion and get things done, move on to the next project. And if they're not being paid to make sites fast, they might not make sites fast. Hopefully they do. And I think everyone wants to do a good job, but everyone has a, a limited amount of time to complete a project. And if it turns into, okay, the client is asking for this feature, it's going to hurt the page speed, but this is going to make them happy and they won't notice a quarter second change in that load time they're probably just going to put in the feature.
1: Yeah. You know, I agree 100%. And as you said, clients aren't necessarily inclined to sort of pay for it. And it, it's funny because as I discovered web performance, I, I discovered accessibility as well. Mm-hmm. And and again, kudos to the Toronto Accessibility Meetup Group because it's probably one of the better ones across the globe just because of how involved they are with the community and the people who run it. But I sort of chose the, the, the performance path because I was just like, oh man, I got to pick one or the other and I just really want to get into the perf a bit more. But at least on the accessibility side, you actually have the law and at some point you have to face accessibility that's Maybe. without a doubt <laughs>
2: hopefully uh, I mean, hopefully.
1: Yeah, I mean you, you could sort of <laughs> you know what I mean like you could sort of dance around and hopefully you know no one knocks on your door saying hey this is not <laughs> this is the accessibility police exactly exactly
2: it may be a lawyer saying you, you've been served and it's happened absolutely. to Target it's happened to other big organizations and that can be absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that can at least open the door to making sure people are thinking about it if you know the specter of that Certainly, so I'm
0: not, you know, I'm I'm not saying the business isn't there, folks? Like, I know Harry Roberts makes his living doing optimizations, and there are a number of other people that literally make their living as a freelancer doing web performance stuff. Like I get it. I'm just saying it's not like I don't have clients beating down my door. So one of the things that I have done is I have tried to educate clients on this is the profile of your site in these various performance tools. And and then I have a, a benchmark that I can show them the work afterwards. And they may not understand what I did, but they can see Google says that it went from a 54 red to a 98 green, you know, and they get that that means that Google is saying this thing is good. And I found that as a selling tool is education something that we as developers need to be doing,
1: Henri? Certainly. And I was actually going to follow that up with, uh, I I think the web performance is certainly, I think, has been sort of, I, I shouldn't say ingested, but the way I think I sort of discuss web performance now is more on a best practices level and make it so that it's like you have to specialize in this. Like you can if you want to. But I think in today's age, in 2020, considering how the web is being consumed, I think web performance is best discussed as a best practice. Like, hey, make sure your assets are like this. Make sure you don't do too many requests. You can go through a list of stuff and then you can get pretty grand granular about it. But I think there's a level where it's like, if you have this kind of understanding about web performance, because it really is a best practice, and then you can get into the other stuff a little later, like the deep diving. And I discussed this, I remember at, uh, where was I? Oh, I know where it was if I look at this stick right here perform- <laughs> performance now because yeah, I'm I was like say you have a prolific
2: uh, laptop cover I, I love the, exactly. the details you have yeah
1: the, the performance now conference in Amsterdam again a conference dedicated to web performance which aren't very common these days despite its importance but uh, Tim Cadlick had asked me what I thought was a considerable advancement or what I was pleased with with regards to web performance and love it or hate it I believe that lighthouse has had a tremendous effect mm. on how people look at performance. You can go into Twitter right now and people are going to, some are going to pick it apart. Oh, it's not this, it's not that, but it had people thinking about it and it had people bragging about it. You yeah. Know?
2: And, 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 and I mean, as Andrew said, I, I, Andrew, I fully agree with you. I think as a sales tool, if you ever want to get in the door, and I mean, unfortunately, there's a lot of people that are serving up less than productive emails saying, did you know your site is scoring this? But if you're already started, if you have a warm lead Mm. and you can show them, hey, here's your site, it's it's marking, you know, it's 15 on Google Page Speed Score, which you know now, I'm sure you know now uses Lighthouse behind the scenes for everything. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. say you're scoring 15. Here's a site I just wrapped last month. They have a 94, right? It, you know, and here's all the research that shows that this might be affecting how high up you are. Like you're at the point where it's actually pushing you down. Google's not indifferent about you. They're actually penalizing you. That could yep. definitely perk someone's ears up and get you saying, "Well, wait a second. Why isn't our current developer? Why isn't our current agency raising this flag? And why aren't they able to?" hit these numbers.
0: And, and they might have no idea about it, right? That's what makes it so powerful is I that they, they don't do, have though. to understand. I,
2: I, so many times the CEO, lo- like they get that link, they find out and it becomes, I uh, could use salty language, and you know, uh, a measuring uh, competition to see like, wait a second, why is my website here? <laughs> my competitor is here. And
0: what well, you're, right. It? <laughs> you're right, because it, it takes a certain kind of psycho to be a CEO of a company. <laughs> and you do have to have that competitive nature in you. And I, I have definitely. Same thing where if you can show them that they are beating, you know, Jim Joe Bob's shop down the road, they love it. You know, they absolutely love it. And it's the kind of thing like if you go to the doctor and they they take a number of measurements like blood pressure and cholesterol, and you may not really know what everything really means. But if they show you that it is improved over time, you get that, even though you don't understand the, the, all of the science behind it. You know, and yep. it's kind of the same thing here.
1: Absolutely. And as you had mentioned uh, about the emails, Patrick, I think there's a particular way of approaching this because I think also something that was taking place at one point is that there was this sort of condescending nature to our performance aficionados, the way we would talk about how bad certain sites were. It came off as like, it's almost like cancel culture. It's like mm-hmm. that site? No, you don't want to mess with those guys. Look at that score. You know, they're they're scoring nine. It's this. And it was never like, hey, let me give you a hand with this because I think that, you know, if we would, you know, if we reduce these requests and and cash that and yada, 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 we can get our scores up. And I never forgot this once a talk I gave. It might have been a lightning talk too. Someone came up to me afterwards. They're like, hey, dude, you know, I really enjoyed that performance talk. I'm like, oh, thank you very much. You know, yada, yada, yada. We're going back and forth. And he told me, he's like, hey, I usually don't sit around for these talks because all these, do is attack and they're never really like, hey, you know, this is how you can improve and X, Y, and Z. And I never forgot that because he was like, a lot of these performance talks, tone is off. And I was like, bing, you know, and even though I didn't think I was that dude, but I was like, I want to make sure I'm never that person.
0: So I was that person, mea culpa. I'm going to come out and I'm going to say it right now. I a hundred percent was that person because I was too. Well, let me, let me give you my background so I was actually a photography major in college mm. so we, you would get projects mm-hmm. and you would have crits where they were called critiques where whenever a project was done everyone put their stuff up on the wall and everyone just tore it to shreds <laughs> you know typically <laughs> it's kind of what it was right yeah, yeah. but it wasn't it wasn't mean spirited, like no one was doing it to stomp on you or whatever, but it was very critical. And there were there were some people that left the room crying sometimes, you know, cause they would put a whole lot of work into it and it would just, the professor would just tear it to shreds and, and, and stuff like that. And so that's kind of where I was coming from is we, there's a, a channel in a Slack where people would post work that they had just finished mm-hmm. and I would jump on it and I would, start, I would start running all the tools on it. And I would say, oh, you could improve it by doing this. You could improve it by doing that. And at some point, you know, someone talked to me on the side, and they're just like, Andrew, they're, they're not ready
2: to post their website if it's not a 91-plus. <laughs> yeah, literally. Exactly. It was We're the... Like- Someone posts in the Craft Slack announcements board, and Andrew comes in with, Here's your Google PageSpeed right. and right. score and, if you didn't already know
0: it. And I want to be clear, I was not, I was coming from a good place on this. I thought, I was like, I'm doing everyone a favor, you know? But that is not how it was perceived, right? So people were just like, Ah, oh, you know? And so the person took me aside and was just like, Andrew, I know your intentions are good, but people are not, even though they say they're looking for feedback, because that's what was happening. Is people <laughs> yeah. were excited. Any feedback, welcome. And he's like, Even though people say they're looking for feedback, They don't really want it. And in addition to that, you should be charging for this advice that you're giving them, you know? And I was Mm -hmm. just like, you know what? you're right. Like I, I'm trying to do this from, I'm trying to come from a good place from this stuff, but I don't want to piss people off. Like, that's not my goal. Thing and there is you're also like specific, you're
2: yeah, Correct in private. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. A, a DM might help people and say, Hey, you know, here are some ways you could improve your score, but right. doing it publicly can, yeah, ran on someone's parade a little bit, even if that's not your intent.
0: And even now, even when people are like, please, you know, give me criticism on this stuff. I'm just like, I mean, if you pay me, you know, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> absolutely. You know, it's, uh, yeah, I, I remember when uh, earlier on I used to sort of audit sites and post stuff on Twitter and I remember and you may remember this as well Ilya Gogorik had a site for a while called perf.fail hmm, I don't know that one and yeah well it's it's gone now I think but uh, I think he had like two or three posts and it was literally that it was a little bit of you know a uh, a little bit of shaming. But, you know, you would run into these sites. You're like, wow, how did this go live? You know what I mean? Like that that was like, that's all you could think of. And, you know, you want to sort of post these examples. And he just stopped. And I think that the the, the shaming element start to just not resonate well. Yeah. You know? And
2: it, it goes into any time I see a piece of code, I really try not to judge the developer or developers that came before me. You don't know what timeline they were under, what budget they were under, what feature requests or what weird, sp- or what like, you cannot know until you're like, okay, everyone got here. Everyone was trying to do a good job in one way or another. At some point, something had to give probably for this monstrosity to come into being. And yeah, you, you need a lot of empathy, I think, looking at
0: other people's work. And Absolutely. also when someone presents, I mean, the big lesson for me was when someone presents something, even if they say that they want feedback, they probably just want to hear a nice job. You know, which to me, it it actually kind of bothers me because I'm like, uh, you know, I'm one of those people that, sure, I enjoy compliments like anyone else does. But I also feel like I've never improved when someone's just like, hey, nice job, you know, especially if I didn't do a nice job on it.
1: (laughs) I I, Uh, I think for the most part, people say they can handle criticism. but it's tough and I mean I'll be the first one to say I can handle it I think you know my dad taught me how to you know what I mean I know what you mean you know what I mean but I think this there's a way of phrasing things and helping them learn yep. and that's it and I think at the end of the day it, the, the entire journey is one that's the, the path is, is sort of laid in, in learning something new education discovery I, what I like to call I'll delight and Discovery this is what you try to create. Is someone going to discover something and just be completely elated with that moment? And that's what I try to do in music a lot. And I'm actually trying to do the same in, in in tech right now, which sort of, I mean, it's been a sort of loop, but, you know, brings you back to the idea of sort of organizing these meetups, allowing people to congregate and learn something together, have that kind of discourse together, whether it be in like back channels or in the actual chat where they're like, oh, I didn't know this was possible." Pu- possible, yada, 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 yada. And I think I get this again, as I talk about my dad, I get this from my parents. and um, mm-hmm. My parents are retired teachers. And um, I mean, I look back and I'm just like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I feel like a teacher.
0: But That's what I was going to uh, say, Henri, everything that you're talking about, you just summarized it perfectly by saying helping people to learn. So whether it's the conference talks that you're giving or the meetups that you're organizing, I mean, it really seems like something that drives you in some way is helping people learn. you getting satisfaction out of that and I I definitely feel that because i i try to do that too with some of the the articles that I write up and some of the other media that I create because it it really is a rewarding thing to help people learn
1: absolutely absolutely man you know it's and this is the reason why pre-pandemic obviously I started to it's so like Toronto's got a quite a few boot camps downtown and I just started to volunteer an hour of lunch and learns at boot camps and I' would go in there and talk about performance, obviously, simply because I always told them it's like, listen, I'm going to talk about something. Yeah, they're not going to take time to discuss during your boot camp because you're already moving at 65 miles an hour, and there's not much time to slow down and get a snack. But this is stuff you're probably going to run into in the wild, and you're not going to understand what's going on. And so I started to do that once a quarter per boot camp. So I usually do a couple boot camps, and yeah, I would stick around as well after. It was like, like, hey, you know, I'll do some office hours after if you want. And if you want to talk about some stuff that you didn't really understand, I'll stick around. And I don't think it's an absolute must people do this, but if you have an opportunity to get someone interested even in this area of the web that they didn't know existed, whether it be accessibility, whether it be performance or CSS, JavaScript, ooh, JavaScript. I think it's super rewarding, you know, and they'll look back and be like, you know, this guy used to come in for lunch and learns. Didn't know who he was. I left there like, I don't know what this guy's talking about, but I went home and I looked at the deck. He. Shared with us, and I start to click, and I went out down this rabbit hole of performance, and now I totally get it. I think about that.
2: Yeah. Fast forwarding to right now, it's or you know, January twenty twenty one at the time we're recording this. I, I know you've done the image ready online conferences. How's the last year been for you though? In terms of you know, conferences, obviously haven't been a thing for almost a year now. How have you been doing with regard to that? I mean, we, Andrew and I first maybe learned of you at Dot uh, All in what twenty nineteen. How's that going? And how do how do things look? For for someone like you who who does a lot of conference work.
1: So that was super interesting. And this year, in, oh, this year, in t- 2020 is one of those. <laughs> I'll, uh, in,
2: into, I'll just blurring into one long.
1: Yeah, trend. exactly right. 2021 is really 2020 prime. It was definitely weird slash tough at one point. And it was just on, on so many levels, just even like from a personal to just professional, because I always bring up the fact that, first of all, I had a hard time bringing it up. But at one point, I remember stepping out of my house and just looking down the street, and it was so dead empty. And mm. it just, I felt like I was looking at the rest of my year. And this was like end of March, maybe. And I had, I, I was just sitting there shrugging. I'm like, I have no idea what's happening. And, and no one else did. But as a freelancer, you're just like, you're literally like, I just dove out of a plane and I don't even know if this parachute works. But slowly but surely, things kind of came around. I, I Suddenly some emails came in, some calls came in. Obviously, the stuff was being done online and it was a lot different. I had some... A little bit of writing commissioned, which I've always wanted to get back into. But I'd done so much writing previously that in music specifically, that I always felt like, you know, my pen was out of ink because I'd start writing. I'm like, oh, I can't finish this. But that's something I'm trying to change. But I was able to manage. And there are some people out there that I've definitely shot some emails to thanking them and they probably don't know how much it meant. But yeah, it was absolutely wild. And, but I will say this, it taught me that, I mean, the direction tech is taking right now, obviously online is almost the exclusive component for us. And even as things clear up in, I'm going to say potentially maybe 22, probably 23, I think the online component is going to stay and, or is here to stay because I think uh, we are going to be at the mercy of, of, just confidence you
2: confidence. Know? yeah I, do, I look at video of, of people close together even videos of myself and i just it's gonna be like almost a little bit of ptsd of like getting together and being when we can take masks off and yep. yeah it's such a weird like overwhelming concern for public health that i've never had before and it's worrying i hope i feel like there's going to be a lot of hunger for people to get together and congregate i very much looking forward to whenever the next dot all is going to be because man there's a lot of people that i miss oh but yeah it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a while before things feel normal and yeah yeah I hear you man um, but yeah I think online is to say I don't think it, it it's I don't think it's a substitute but I think it, it can augment how we get together and how we learn and communicate and I'm glad it's working for you
1: I mean it's it's still an experiment right because so something that again the, the music side taught me. I, I worked with a, a division of Red Bull called RBMA, which is not really around anymore. So it stands for Red Bull Music Academy. For any of the academics out there, I can tell you all about it, but I won't. <laughs> one, one thing they did, though was very early and I'm going to say long before anyone, they believed that the web was going to be a massive portal. And they started to just record their lectures and put them online. Mm. And at one point you're like, ah, oh, whatever, I can, you know, watch it when I want to, but you know, you didn't really pay attention to it like that. But what they did was really double down on the production value, they believed that when you went back to watch it, it had to be the fidelity had to be there for sure, audio and certainly video if you could. And if you go back and watch some of the early videos, it's like 4:3 resolution. I mean, um, 4:3 uh
0: aspect one, ratio,
1: aspect ratio, yeah, and whatnot. But the fact is, at the time, that was fine, right? And the audio was still stereo and whatnot. But as time went on, everything was like crisper, and they had like the booms in the cameras, and the audio was crisp, and it taught me that. This is where things had to go if you had to create online content. Mm. So, last year, in the middle of the crisis, you know, people are like, What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And I'm like, Listen, the online is going to be here. It's going to stay. You have to work on that content. So, it's going to have to be crispy videos. It's going to have to be good audio quality, you know, so that when people are watching it, they're completely engaged. It's not, they're not in a closet with an echoing microphone from your laptop. And people are going to have to make that investment, you know, because we're not going to go back to the the, the, the the packed you know theater anytime soon.
0: I mean, uh, Henry, I'm hoping either oh, I, I, either as on. a right. Well, what I'm what I'm getting to is I'm hoping that either as a, you know a spectator or speaker or you know, in whatever capacity, mm-hmm. I want to come up to Toronto and sit in on one your... I know we've been talking about it back and forth for a little while. I totally want to do it. You're right around the corner from me. I want all of this stuff to get better so we don't have to worry about it anymore, and I can go up there and I can. And be there with the, the crispy video and audio in person.
1: You know
0: <laughs> If Canada will have us back.
1: You know, I don't know if you remember, but I think we almost had something scheduled right before yep. the everything hit and you got a little busy, which is totally cool. And then after that, I was like, boom, it's over, you know? and And yeah, it's going to be weird because again, you know, we like the classic meetup takes place at an office, but are they going to let you in now? You know, the likelihood is not. Yeah. And for anyone who's really entering tech right now or who has been in tech and hasn't really experienced that conference, the camaraderie that takes place. That alone is is worth being there. Yeah. Well,
0: I still hope we can do it. I think that about wraps it up for another episode of the devmode.fm podcast. To have every episode sent to you, subscribe to our RSS feed. I'm reading this from memory, so I have no idea whether Patrick actually trimmed it down or not. But please give us a like, give us a review. And for the devmode.fm podcast, I'm Andrew Welch. I'm Patrick Harrington. And thank you so much, Henri Helvetica, for coming on, man.
1: Hey man, thank you for having me. I know this, uh, we sort of went around in a bunch of circles, but hopefully people caught something from that.
0: I'm hoping so too.
1: Yeah, yeah, I just saw the notes down. right there.
0: We got a heartbreak, but but listen, I got to tell you guys something real quick. This is hilarious. That bet that I told you guys earlier about when we we're off air, yeah, yeah. during the podcast, he doubled down. He doubled down. To one. No way. So now, now he's uh, handing me a thousand dollars.
1: I was going to say a grand now.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Wow. <sighs> okay. Wait. Stop. That's
0: so Eighty to one odds. Or, um, or no, no,
2: he increased it to a thousand. He's taken a thousand. It's still forty. Still forty
0: to one, to one but he's increasing <laughs> the amount of money. He's doubling down. <laughs> well, he's tell him wow. if you
2: want to looking for more action. <laughs>